How many love Christmas? <laughs> amen, amen. I love Christmas. Well, today we're going to continue our series, and I titled it, An Amazing Christmas. And my prayer is that your Christmas would be more amazing than you've ever experienced because of Jesus. Today I want to talk to you, I've entitled the message, The Father's Ultimate Christmas Message. How many like Christmas cards? How many likes to receive them? How many like to sit down and write 200 of them? I love to receive Christmas cards, but when it comes to this time of the year, I love everybody that's a part of our family. And I personally sign every card that goes out from the church. So this week I was signing like 200 Christmas cards. And my, my, if you see my hand just stuck like this, you'll know why. But I love Christmas cards. And I want to ask you, what Christmas message do you think about when you receive a Christmas card? Because there's, there's wonderful, beautiful messages that most Christmas cards can, or contain. Now, some of them are kind of lame and they say happy holidays, and I throw those in the trash. <laughs> but a lot of them have great meaning, amen? One of, the, one, of the, one of the common growing up in my lifetime has been peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Have you ever received a card that had those sentiments in it? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's a, that's a great message, isn't it? But we know from Scripture that Jesus is the peace. He's the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we read this verse last week. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The Bible teaches us that peace in this world will not come until Jesus returns. Until then, we're going to see things get worse. Jesus said there'd be wars and rumors of wars. So that's a great sentiment to put into a card. And we're looking forward to the day that Jesus returns and we have that genuine peace. But you can have that peace in your heart today if you know Him. How many like Hallmark movies? Oh, come on. The Christmas Hallmark movies. Oh, this time of year in the evenings when Melinda's not busy, guess what? We're watching a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> And I want to ask you, what is the message portrayed in those Hallmark Christmas movies? Love is one of the big things, right? Love. that You, you, you need love and you need to share love. And, and we need to all experience love. And, and we see that in Scripture as well. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So love is an important message of Christmas. Amen? What's the other thing that Hallmark movies always project in their messages in their, in their 
Christmas films. It's family. Family is really big. And, and there's various kinds of family, not just our immediate family, our brothers and sisters, our mom and dad, but there's also extended family. There's church family. But family is important. Family is a message of Christmas. And God's Word talks about our children and, and how that they are a gift from Him. Psalm 127, verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. God says family is important. It's important. But is that the great message of Christmas? No, no. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 today. I love this passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 1. Because in this chapter we find what the Father's ultimate message for Christmas is. How many want to know? Look at verse 1. Chapter 1, Hebrews. God who at various times in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. That's speaking about, he, the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that God speaks to us. One of the ways He has in the past is through the prophets. And if you think about that for a moment, you remember that from Genesis to Malachi, all of these books were given to man through prophets. It's God's Word laid on the hearts of men that is, is given in a, in a situation, the prophets spoke in a time to the circumstances that the people of God were going through. And many times it was calling them back to God because they had turned from God. But the prof prophets spoke for God. In verse 2 it says, "...has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds." who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Another way that God spoke, in times past was through angels. And it's making a reference to that in verse 4. God spoke through angels. Angels would leave the glory of heaven. They would come to earth and they would give the message of God to the individual that God wanted them to receive the message. But what I want us to see is in this passage, the writer of Hebrews is saying when you've heard God speak in all the other ways that God has spoken throughout history, the ultimate message of the Father, the ultimate Christmas message, is Jesus. It's not a message about Jesus. Jesus is the message. Amen? The ultimate Christmas message from God the Father is Jesus. It's not about Him. It is Him. Amen? Now when you come to the book of Hebrews, there's three things my mentor always told me to remember 
about the book of Hebrews. When you, when you look at an overview of it, he said these three things are clear. The first thing he said, that people had received promises from God, but would they wait and see the promises fulfilled? Would they wait and see those promises fulfilled? God had given them promises. So God, God is saying here through the writer of Hebrews that we're people of promise. Amen? Turn to somebody and tell them today, you're a person of promise according to God. God gives us promises. Those promises are for us individually. They're promises for us as a church. They're promises for us as His people. The second thing my mentor always shared with me was the the people were stuck in the past and they couldn't find themselves set free to enter into what God had for them in the future. The present situation of their lives was a mess, but would they trust God to bring them into the future that He had for them? That's a message that's in the overall view of Hebrews. And church, I think that message fits us where we are today. Amen? We're people of promise. God's promised us a future. Are we going to keep our eyes on Jesus? Are we going to enter into all that He has for us? Are we going to trust Him? Are we going to allow Him to set us free and bring us into the promise that He has for us? The third thing, these people had known the touch of God. How many have ever experienced God's touch on your life? Amen? There's times when I've experienced God's touch that tears came into my eyes and I just began to weep. I, I felt His comfort and His strength, His presence around me, reassuring me that everything was going to be alright. I've experienced the touch of God. The Hebrews had experienced the touch of God. But would they live their lives in the greatness of His grip? We talked about it last week. We read the verse that says, that, we, that no one can take us from the palm of His hand. Amen? And I want to ask you today, are you living in the grip of the greatness of your God? That no matter what happens in 2020, we're living in the grip of His greatness. It means we don't worry about COVID. We don't worry about what's going to come in 2021. You know, th this world is experiencing a shaking and I believe that God's going to continue to shake this world. Because in the shaking, He is drawing people back to Him. But I want to ask you, are you living in the grip of His greatness today? Now in this passage of Scripture, there are several phrases that aren't about Jesus. They're speaking of who He is. His nature. His character. And that is the message. Jesus. He's the ultimate message. So I want to go through these passages with you, uh, these phrases quickly this morning. And I want us to look at each one of them. First of all, the, in this passage, I want us to see in verse 2, God has appointed Jesus heir of all things. Say that with me. God has appointed Jesus heir of all things. He's heir of all things. In other words, when his history ends, when, when this time-space continuum comes to an end, at God's timing, which is perfect, guess what? 
It's all about Jesus. <laughs> he gets it all. It's all created for His glory. It's all about Him. Everything. It's all about Jesus. That's what He's saying there. I love that. Jesus is the preordained owner of all things. And God's saying these words that when all of the universal history is over, it's predetermined that Jesus wins. He gets everything. In verse 4, it gives us the issue that goes along with this. He has by inheritance, everybody say inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. It's referring back to the angels. But it, I want you to focus on inheritance. When someone receives an inheritance, someone has died. Someone has passed away. Well, in this case, Jesus is the one who died and because of his death, he receives an inheritance, which is everything, including those that believe in him. You and I are the inheritance that Jesus died for. Amen? You ask me, why, why, why did Jesus die? What exactly did he accomplish? We could, we could spend... Hours and hours on that study. But I want to give you three reasons quickly why Jesus died and what it accomplished for you. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it said, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. So Jesus died to bring us back in a relationship with our Creator. Amen? How many are thankful for that today? You have a relationship with Jesus because, and the Father because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. The second point is in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus died to reveal the character of God. But God demonstrates in his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he died, he died for us to reveal God's character. What is God's character? His love. God is love. Church, God loves you. And the greatest example, the greatest message that you are loved by God is the fact that He sent His Son for you. Do you feel loved today? I pray that everyone in this place knows how much that God loves them. He loves you today. Jesus also died to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. For the purpose of the Son of God was manifest that He might destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? It's sin, it's death, it's unrighteousness, it's poverty, it's racism, it's life-controlling issues. It's anything contrary to what God wants for your life. And Jesus dealt with it all. Oh, two or three people are here today. <laughs> Jesus dealt with it all. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Don't allow the works of the devil to come against you and to, and to take hold in your life because Jesus paid so that you could live in freedom from that. We face death every day in our circumstances. Death tries to seep in and attack us physically. It tries to seep in to our marriages, to our work. It just tries to seep in into any area of life that we allow it. 
Death tries to come. But God's saying to you, and He's saying to me today, keep your eyes on Jesus. Because whatever dies in your world, Jesus, He is the ultimate answer. He is greater than death. And you don't have to live in fear. You're never going to lose out if you know Him. Remember, He gets everything. He wins. And we win too if we're in Him. The second phrase I want us to look at is in verse 2. Through whom also He made the worlds. By Christ all things were made. Jesus was involved in the creative process. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Bible college, they teach you this little simplistic uh, saying. And it, it goes, it was the Father's will. It was His edict in creation. And Jesus spoke it. And the Holy Spirit worked it. But Jesus is the channel for God's operating power. For His creative power. Are you thankful for that today? I want to ask you, what do you need today? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still the Creator. He can still bring out of nothing what you need for your life in this very moment. What do you need from Him today? Church, what do you need Jesus to create, to manifest, to bring forth in your life today? He's the answer. The third phrase I want us to look at is in verse 3. Look with me who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Jesus is the brightness of His glory, the Father's glory, and the express image of His person. I love that. The word image there, in the original Greek, it's pronounced charakter. That's your Greek word for the day, charakter. And it's, it's the word that we derive our English word character from. It's saying that if you want to know God the Father, then look at Jesus because He's the express image of God and how God feels towards you. So when you look at Jesus, what do you see? The only time Jesus ever ever got upset with anyone is when He was addressing the Pharisees who were religionists and they were faking faith and living a lie. And Jesus got upset at their hypocrisy. But the rest of the time, church, Jesus was loving. He was kind. He showed grace. He showed mercy. He showed love. And that's His heart towards you today. That's who Jesus is. And that's who the Father is. Sometimes we we feel like, well, God really doesn't love me. We feel like, "Well, well, God loves Bruce over there, but I don't think He loves me. I'm going through some tough things right now. And we ask that question, Lord, do you really care about me? I know, I know you love generally everybody, but sometimes, Lord, it feels like 
you know, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm going through this trial or this, this trouble in my life or, or struggling in this way. Lord, I don't understand it. You need to get your mind off your troubles and focus on Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate answer from the Father. And in Him we win. Everything's going to be alright. He's going to take you through that battle. He's going to take you through that storm. You win in the end because you are in Christ. Amen? Do you believe that today? God models that love. He loves you. Jesus shows us that love. The, the fourth phrase I want us to look at is in verse 3 as, as well. It says, and upholding all things by the word of His power. Jesus upholds all things by the word of His power. What I want us to see there is that there's a partnering, a partnering verse that goes along with that. It's Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Everybody say consist. In the original, it means hangs together. Why does this universe hang together? Why does our planet hang together? Why do you hang together? Why, church? It's because of God's spoken Word. I love that. I love that. The best way to understand it is, is that matter, such as this wooden pulpit here, it's made of what? It's, it's made of uh, atoms. It's made of electrons that go around the nucleus and it, it travels very fast and and uh, it's interesting you don't think about it you think about it being solid but what it is it's actually these molecules the atoms the nu- the the, nu- go, the um, electrons going around the nucleus and so so it it, it 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 it's solid to us why do the atoms remain why does the electron Go around, and I heard one scientist describe it this way, that the electrons dance around the nucleus. Because it wasn't erratic, it was, it was a set pattern that, that each one had that they continued in. And scientists have wondered for years, what holds the atom together? What, what keeps it you know, going and, and the electrons just dancing around the nucleus. I can tell you, it's the spoken word of our Creator. Amen? And you say, what does that have to do with me today, Pastor? I'll tell you, if this world is contained and hangs together because of the spoken word of our Creator, the word He has given you, church, you can trust in it. You can stand upon it. It's never going to fade away. Amen? It's never going to fade away. I love that. In fact, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus said these words, Heaven and earth will pass away. So Jesus will take His Word back that is holding the heavens and the earth together. But the Word He's given you, listen to what He says, but My words will by no means pass away. Church, you can trust in the Word of God today. You can build your life upon it. It is steadfast. It's not going to change. It is the rock we need to live our lives according to. Amen? It's never going to fade away. I love that. The fifth phrase I want us to see. When He had by Himself purged our sins. 
Now, this is called a, a double entendre. And what it, what it means is that it wasn't only Jesus who did the action to bring us our redemption and to purge us of our sins, but He did it with the gift or the sacrifice of Himself. He was the sacrificial offering. He was the sacrificial Lamb. He was the one that enabled us to be justified and cleansed and purged from all sins. I love the way this, this verse puts it. It says, when He, Jesus, had by Himself, by the sacrifice of Himself, purged our sins. The word purge there means totally clean. How do you like that? Every one of us have fallen short. Every one of us has sinned. But when we came to Jesus, when we repent and we turn to Him, He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Oh, what a Christmas message the Father's given us, church. It's more than amazing. Amen? And it's Jesus. Jesus is the Christmas message. The ultimate message from the Father. I love that. Anytime you feel condemned, you need to remember that Jesus purged us from all our sin. Amen? And if you mess up, what do you do? You have a repentant heart. You say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. And He cleanses you. He purges you of all your sin. And it's gone. Amen? I love that. Don't let condemnation come because of your past. The enemy will try to come against you with condemnation. And Scripture says in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? We're purged. We're set free from that sin. And finally, there's one more phrase I want us to look at. It's verse 3. It says that He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. What does that mean? It means everything was accomplished that Jesus needed to come and accomplish. He paid for every one of our sins. Amen? He paid for them on the cross. Every one of our sins that we can be righteous, that we can have that relationship with Him. But it also calls us to something else. The picture there of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father on the throne. It's a picture that says, He has accomplished everything for you. Now come and worship Him there. He is the ultimate King of kings and Lord of lords. He, needs, he deserves all of your worship. Deserves all your worship. He is worthy of all of our worship. Church, the Christmas message of the Father beckons us to come and worship Jesus. Amen? How many want to worship Jesus this Christmas? I want the worship team to come. 
That is the ultimate Christmas message. Yes, I enjoy Christmas cards. Yes, I enjoy some of the messages in them. Yes, I enjoy some of the Hallmark movies and and the message of love and the message of family. But none of that compares to the message our Heavenly Father has given us. It's the ultimate Christmas message. And it's Jesus. It's not about Him. It is Him. It's His nature, His character towards you, His love for you. Amen? It's who He is. He's not just a a religious leader. He's not comparable to Muhammad or Hare Krishna or Buddha or any of these other religions. There's nothing in Christianity that's like any of those religions. Because religion is man's attempt to get right with God, to come back to God, and we can't do it. Christianity is God saying, I'm going to make a way where you couldn't do it. And I'm sending the answer. And His name is Jesus. He's my only begotten Son. Amen. I want you to stand with me. Some of you need to get some Christmas spirit. And I'm serious. If there's anybody who ought to be excited this time of year, it's those of us that have received the Father's greatest gift, the ultimate message from heaven, the ultimate message of Christmas. It's Jesus. You ought to be excited to worship Him, not ashamed to give Him glory and honor and praise. Picture the Father, majesty on high, and Jesus right there at His right hand. And begin to worship this Christmas. Begin to give God glory. And give Him praise. Thank Him for the wonderful Christmas message of Jesus. I want you for just a moment to think about something that you may need. Something that you're struggling with. Something that was answered in this text today. Something where death is trying to come against you. And I want you to give it to Jesus. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward and to come to the back of the auditorium. And church, this is the most important moment in any of our services. It's when we get real with God. It's when we tune out everybody around us. And we focus on Jesus. It's when we come with our needs to one of the prayer team members and say, will you agree with me concerning this need in my life? Many churches no longer take time at the end of the service to pray. They think it's just old tradition. In church, it's not old tradition. It's a power encounter with your Creator. It's coming into agreement with a brother or sister in Christ and coming boldly to the throne of grace with your petition and laying it at Jesus' feet and sharing it with Him. Saying, Jesus, I have a need and You're the answer. It's coming and and crying out to God on behalf of a friend or a family member that doesn't know Jesus. They don't know the ultimate message of our Creator. 
the ultimate Christmas message. They've never received it. And your prayers make a difference in that life. So church, I want to invite you. If there's anything that God's stirring on your heart today to pray about, find one of our prayer members at the back or at the front. And as we worship, as we picture the Father and and picture Jesus, and we just begin to worship, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and to come and to find someone to pray with. And most importantly, if you've never accepted Jesus, will you come and accept Jesus today? Will you come as the worship team?